What a blessing it is to be here before you um, on the eve of what is a special day, isn't it? Thank- Thanksgiving. Um, my son Isaac the other day asked me, Dad, what's your favorite holiday? And without hesitation, I told him it was Thanksgiving. Um, to me, it's, it's one of the only holidays that's withstood being corrupted, uh, corrupted from the hooks of materialism. It uh, hasn't been set in. The hooks of materialism hasn't been set in. Uh, beware, because they're trying. I, I saw a couple ads uh, that say Black Friday starts Thursday, which is tomorrow, right? Uh, Thanksgiving. So beware. How many of you guys, be honest, have been shopping on uh, Thanksgiving night as soon as the stores open? Okay, there's a, they see. thank you for your honesty. You shouldn't do that, though. Um, they, I think, also saw like a movie uh, called Thanksgiving, a horror movie that they're putting out. And so the, the Hollywood and, and, and Madison Avenue, they're trying basically to corrupt this holiday. But to me, I don't think they've succeeded yet. I, I think it's, it's pure. Uh, of course, you know, as believers, we rejoice over Christmas, Easter. Uh, but as much as I enjoy giving gifts and, and uh, you know, just being a part of Christmas, the stress of the mall, the parking, the getting the right gift, uh, like Pastor Manny had mentioned, spending the right amount, um, it, can be, it can be stressful, huh? And it can take some of the meaning away. Thanksgiving to me is stress-free unless... You know, you're cooking that eight-course meal uh, that you're thinking about right now. Uh, Thanksgiving, to me, is, is the most non-judgmental day to eat, isn't it? I mean, you can grub that day. In fact, uh, we recently um, ended daylight savings time, right? And we went back one hour, and I was thinking tonight, we should kind of do something in observance of Thanksgiving. Before going to bed, we should set our scales back 10 pounds, and that way, you know, the morning after Thanksgiving will be all right. I love the, the concept of, uh, of Thanksgiving. Um, the meaning of the word, of course, is a practice of expressing gratitude and appreciation for something or for someone. The root word uh, of Thanksgiving, of course, comes from the word thanks. Uh, and it's derived from the Middle English word uh, thankies. Uh, it's the oldest root word for thanks. Uh, that can be traced back to um, the ancestral language that many of today's modern languages derive from. Um, and, and when you look at the root word, it's actually fascinating because it's a word to think. Uh, thanks means to think or to feel gratitude. And I, and I find the definition to think uh, awesome because that's exactly what we should be doing huh? when we're thanking someone, when we're thankful, is that we're thinking, we're taking things in. When we express thanksgiving for the people and the things that we're grateful for, we should be thinking. We should be just basically meditating on those things. Um, A a Jewish man had for his family the model, think and thank, and and that should be our motto as well. Hopefully, you know, most of us tomorrow, we're going to be thinking, huh? Um, We're going to be thinking about that which we're thankful for and that which we feel grateful for because it's a special day to be able to do that. Some of you guys are are aware during the autumn of 1621, at least 90 of the uh, Wampanoag Native American Indians joined 52 English people at what is now Plymouth, Massachusetts. I always mess up that word. To market a successful harvest. And we remember that day as the first Thanksgiving. So... Thanksgiving in the United States is an annual day of thanks for the blessings of the past year. Observed on the fourth Thursday in November, it's historical, it's national, and it's a religious holiday that began with the pilgrims. That's exactly what the pilgrims were doing. They were observing the goodness of God. Did you know that uh, the first Thanksgiving lasted three days? 
So all that leftover turkey sandwiches are in line with tradition, see? Uh, Thanksgiving was celebrated uh, sporadically um, in the country, but on November 26, 1789, President Washington issued a proclamation of a nationwide day of Thanksgiving. He made it clear that that day should be one of prayer and of giving thanks to God. It was, a, it was to be celebrated um, by all religious denominations, which created a, a, a common heritage between the country. As you guys know, back then there was still somewhat of a split between the north and the, the, the south, and this created a day to be able to come together. But human credit, if you want to give human credit to someone, belongs to a lady by the name of Sarah Hale. Perhaps you're aware that she was the uh, founder of a ladies' magazine back in the day. And she's also one of the, the, the uh, authors of Mary Had a Little Lamb. How many of you guys know that? Can you recite it? I was asking my wife to recite it. And she's like, I know it, I just can't recite it. So this lady, Sarah Hale, was so passionate about a day of Thanksgiving that she wrote editorials in her magazine and letters from the bottom all the way to the top to the White House, urging the formal establishment of a national holiday of Thanksgiving, because prior to that, it wasn't a national holiday. Her persistence was, of course, met with some resistance at first. You see, Thomas Jefferson, the third U.S. president, was passionate about the Constitution. He was passionate not to make the same mistakes that England had made, and he didn't want to interfere with the church. You know, he, not the other way around where the church interfered with the state, as some would have you believe. He didn't want to interfere with the church because that's what England had done, right? They had forced their way into the church. And so he believed that it was a responsibility of the states if the government involved itself in um, proclaiming this religious day, it would be too much like England. It would be like a kingly decree. Uh, so this lady, Sarah, was met with replies like it's impossible or it's impractical. Or sometimes just told it's none of your biswax, right? Mind your own business. But finally in 1863, President Lincoln listened and he proclaimed the last Thursday in November Thanksgiving Day. So thanks to this lady, Sarah Hill, we're going to grub tomorrow. We're going to be able to give thanks, be able to be with our family, and just really reflect on that which we are thankful for. Um, but the true credit belongs to who, guys? Who, who were the original pilgrims thankful for? God, right? Yeah, yes, they were thankful for the kindness of the Indians. And yes, they were thankful for the plentifulness of the harvest. And, and yes, they were thankful for surviving the lean years, the tough travels, the dangers of a new land. But those were things they credited God with. This holiday started with people thanking God. The first Thanksgiving was a thanksgiving to him, to God. And as every Thanksgiving should be, huh? especially to us. A, a people who should be thankful. As believers, they believe that the, the bountifulness of the harvest was a sign of God's providence and his grace. They believe scripture where in the book of James, it says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above, right? They believe uh, David, as he, as, he, as he was ready to patch the torch to, to, to Solomon when he prayed, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. That's a beautiful prayer to, 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 to pray and, and to think that that was in David's heart. Notice David said that we should be able to offer, meaning they were offering something to God, but he was giving God the glory. He was giving God the credit. Of your own we have given you, he said. 
And that should be our heart, right? Everything that we have, everything that we're thankful for comes from God. Yes, he, he, he gives us the ability to have good jobs. He gives us the strength to be able to work hard. He, he gives us maybe sometimes, you know, the, 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 the way to come into money somehow through family or whatever the case may be. But it's him. We, we should give him the glory. We should give him all the credit. So that's why I've entitled this study, A, a People Who Are Thankful. It's kind of a play on words. Thankful. As Christians, we should be full of thanks, or, 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 or people who have thanks falling out of their pockets, so to speak, right? Because as we just sang, we, we realized what an amazing thing that we've been given in this gift of Christ down on the cross for us, of, 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 of Christ wiping out that, that list of sin, wiping it clean. We, we, we should be the most thankful. And so tomorrow, many of us will utter the famous line, I'm so full, huh? You see Snoopy back there taking a nap. But, but instead, we should be saying, I'm so full of thanks. I'm so thankful. Right? That should be our heart. May, may we be people who declare and live being so full of thanks. And, 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 and let's not be satisfied with that. But be hungry for more and more and more. It's like us, right? On Thanksgiving Day, we utter those words, I'm so full, and then the pie goes across us. And then we just look at it, right? And we follow it, right? We're not satisfied with being full. We want more and more and more. That should be our heart as far as gratitude is concerned. And that's what the apostle told a church. Turn with me uh, to Colossians chapter 2. We're just going to be reading two verses today, verses 6 and seven, but prayerfully you'll see Thanksgiving as a central theme in this passage. Um, as you're turning there, Paul the Apostle was encouraging the Colossian church to keep Christ, not, not to follow the teachings of legalism or of philosophy, but he wrote to remind them that they of all people should be a people who should abound with thanksgiving. Let's read what it says in Colossians 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught. And there it is, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Notice, as you therefore have what? Have received Christ Jesus the Lord. There's a, there's a separation here, guys, a distinction, a mark between those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and those who haven't. It's pretty simple. You're either a saint or you ain't, right? There's no two ways about it. You can't be on the fence. Either you've trusted in Christ and you're a saint, or you can be the most religious person. You could be inclined to God. You can have a, a religious upbringing, but you're an ain't yet if you haven't put your faith in Christ Jesus. Perhaps some of you guys here came here tonight just with that, with that inclination, or you're listening right now on live stream or later on as it's recorded, and you sense that Christ is stirring your heart for more, um, I, I pray that with a thankful heart, you draw close to him. And if you haven't received him, I pray that you would do just that. We want to encourage you to do that. That's our heart in this church, to point you to Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 12 tells us, but as many as received him, as many as received him, to them he gave right, the right to be called children of God, to those who believe in his name. It's about receiving. You see, be thankful starts with receiving. 
It, it says in John 3.18, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So this, this, this pardon that we've been given, this truth of a pardon, that even though we deserve to be condemned, we have not been condemned because we believe in him should stir in us an immense form of gratitude. And that's what Paul is saying here, huh? Look what it says in, in, in the second part of verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. The, the, the supposition have received Christ leads us right into the intentionality. So walk in him. Then if you receive Christ, then walk in Christ. I like what Spurgeon wrote about the word walk in him. Walking implies action. Walking signifies progress. Walking suggests continuance. Walking infers habit. May we be people who walk in Christ. Prior to Christ, there was this giant gulf between us and God, right? Prior to Christ, there was a separation bet- between us so big that we, we, couldn't, we couldn't get to God. But through Christ, that separation has been taken out of the way. It's been bridged, and we can come close to God. We can walk in Christ in our relationship with God. And thus, because we've been given the privilege to know him through Christ, we should also walk in appreciation of this gift with Christ. And that's the only way that it could be, do, it could be done, folks. You have to receive, which is salvation, and then you have to appreciate, which is walking with him in obedience, wanting, desiring, learning from him. This behavior to be thankful is supernatural. Uh, if you think that you could muster it, if you think you could fake it till you make it, you're going to soon find out. We're, we're going to soon find out that it's impossible. Wait, something's going to happen in your life where you know that you really are ungrateful, where you know that you're unthankful because we're trying to do it in our own strength. As we walk with him, he's going to fill us. How many of you guys like to go to the gas station to get a refill? We have a, a, a beep in my car and a message that says, your, your gas is low, would you like us to find the nearest gas station? I hate that message because usually I'm with my wife and guess what my wife says? You're out of gas. And I'm like, no, I've I got plenty of miles left. You know us guys, right? We calculate it you know, to the T. Well, Christ will keep us filled. You know, we don't need to continue to refill. He'll keep us full. He'll keep us thankful. So we need to receive, get the power, and then we need to follow, walk in that power. I like what David Gusick said. He says, this is a wonderful rule for Christian living. We cannot perfect in the flesh what was begun in the spirit, like it says in Galatians 3.3. 3. So just as you receive Jesus, walk in him in that same way. And how, how was that? Were you a theologian when you received Jesus? Were you super smart? Did you know the Bible? No, we just received Jesus by what? By faith. By his spirit, he was leading us to him. And that's how we should continue following Jesus in that same way. So it says in verse 7, the first part, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. So according to, to Paul, we do this by being rooted. We do this by being rooted. We do this by being built up in him and by being established. The, the word rooted, I like the way the, uh, the new... Uh, American Standard Bible translates it. It just says firmly, having been firmly rooted in him. 
or the New Living Translation, which explains it a little bit more further, let your roots grow down into him. A root is the underground part of a plant, right? And, and so it typically absorbs water and nutrients from the soil being underground. The, the metaphorical meaning is that something rooted is nourished from the foundation. And our foundation as Christians is in our name, huh? Christians, we're, 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 we're Christians. We belong to Christ. We are to let our roots be established in who? In Him. He's to water us. He's to nourish us. You don't want to plant on shallow ground. It ain't going to grow. You plant deep. You plant deep into Him. I like what Ephesians 3.17 says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Or here in the book of Colossians, in, in Colossians 1.23, where it says, If indeed you continued in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. It's what Jesus was talking about when he said in, in John 15, Abide in me, and I in you. We are to be thankful people, guys. Thankful people as we consider the firm foundation that we have in Him. So we're to be rooted in Christ. And as we're rooted in Christ, we can be sure that we'll also be built up by Him. And that's that word. Paul goes from agriculture to architecture, huh? What a beautiful truth that is, to be built up in Him. I love the meanings behind it, because there's several. We're a work in progress, Amen. I think it was Pastor Jason Gold this uh, Sunday that said, under construction, and I remember when the men's fellowship first started, we got shirts that had that under construction. We, we have to know that we're under construction. We're being built up from the bottom up. We're being sanctified by God, brick by brick, huh? And so he's doing that work. He's the master builder. We're to let him do that work. We're to know that we're under construction. And then... We're being built in the right mold, which is him. In the present tense, it, it refers to a continuous or repeated action. We're being built in Christ. Not, not in some cheap mold, but in Christ. Notice that, that when buildings are built, any architectures in the house? When you build a building as an architecture, you put your name on it, right? Because you're proud by it. Built by Anderson, whatever, I don't know. Fill in the blank, right? Fill in the blank. But who do you want to be built by? It reminds me, I think it reminds us all of the, the teaching of Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. Matthew seven twenty four and 25 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it didn't fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell. And then it says, with emphasis, and great was its fall. We have to be thankful people for the ongoing transformation that he brings, for being allowed to be built on the rock, for knowing that God is the one that's doing the construction. That's a, a good segue, guys, uh, into the next word. Because let's, let's just recall what I just read uh, to you, the words of Jesus. Because uh, in Matthew 7, notice it says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine. 
in order for us to be thankful people, we need to be rooted in Him, we need to be built up in Him, and we need to be established in the faith. I remember when I first came to the Lord, uh, it was a brother that shared the Lord with me, and I was doing everything to fight against the truth that he was sharing, but the gospel just got a hold of my heart, and I was saved, and God zapped me, and God was doing the work. And I, at the time, my mom was very sick. She had cancer. And so I, I was spending the night at her house, probably three nights during the week, and, and you know, she, she was sleeping. She was under medicine and medication and keeping, you know, taking chemo and radiation. So she was zapped. She was out. So it was just her and I, and, and it was basically me by myself. And what was I doing as a new Christian? I was just reading the Word of God hour upon hour upon hour. I would be talking to myself, look what it says there. I didn't have anyone to bounce anything else of, you know? But it was just the Lord in me. And again, I wasn't a theologian. I didn't know. I was a newbie. But God was revealing himself through his word. I believe that by his grace, he was establishing me in the faith. Now, again, it takes time to be established. And we are to what? Continue to be in the word, right? We need to be consistently being established in the faith. But I think God does that work. We need to be established in the faith because when we're established, that word established means to be firm, to be steadfast. The more we walk in him, totally trusting him, nourished by his word and our teacher, his spirit, the more established we're going to be in the faith. Guys, him teaching us, his word by his spirit will assure us that we will keep our eyes only on him. You see, I've been around long enough now, unfortunately, to see some of my favorite Bible teachers men that were strong in the Lord, men that I thought would never fall, fall. And, and this has the potential to discourage, to disillusion, to disappoint anyone. But, but as I continue to turn to him, to his word, by his spirit, I've been reminded that it could never be any man. It has to be Jesus and only Jesus. May we endeavor to, to, to hold firm to our beliefs and convictions in Christ. I love Paul's benediction in Romans 16, 25, where he says, Now to him who was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the, prophet, script, by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. There's the gospel, the gospel that gets a hold of our heart, but then it's God's word, it's God's teachings. It's the whole word from Genesis to Revelation that God uses to establish us, to make us into the men and women of God, to be able to walk with him, to be able to be rooted in him, to be able to be established in the faith. We don't want to be those people that Paul describes in Ephesians 4.14 where he says that we should no longer be what? Children? tossed to and fro and be carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You come across people sometimes and you think they're established in the faith and all of a sudden they hear a teaching, they go off and, and they're off somewhere else and you're like, what happened? What happened? Why didn't they just stay in the simplicity of the word of God? How did they get steered? How did they go to and fro? It's because they weren't firmly planted. They weren't established in the faith. In Colossians 1.28, Paul wrote to them, 
which he was talking to his saints, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man, notice, in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. May we be people who express gratitude for the security and the stability found in him through his word. May we be people of the book. Do you guys know that the Jews and the Muslims, that's how they identify us? That's how they basically say that we are. We're the, we're the people of the book. And yet, how many of us are truly the people of the book? How many of us are in the word of God? How many of us have a discipline to be in the word of God? We need that, guys. We need that to be established in the faith. Notice the second part there of verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And then it says, as you have been taught. Man, this was a, a, a great awakening to me that I need to keep my nose, my mind, and especially my heart in the book, in the word of God. Let, let's be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us as we're reading the word of God. It's been said that for any given scripture passage, there is one interpretation and many applications. Let's, let's ask God for those details as far as the application, but let's be established in the faith to know that there is one interpretation. Let's not seek to have our ears tickled, guys, with what our flesh wants to hear, to be in a church um, where they tell us what we want to hear. No, let's make sure that we're in a church where we're taught precept by precept, line by line, those things that we don't want to hear, those things that are difficult, those things that God, he puts his finger on and says, this is you, Henry. You need to do this. You need to stop doing this. We need that in order to be nourished, in order to be established in the faith. And then the third one is let's, let's consistently be in that environment where we're being taught. Uh, again, Pastor uh, Jason Gold, he's from Gen- Regeneration Calvary Chapel. He was cool, huh? He was funny. Uh, he's the only one that can get away with saying that Manny was his drug dealer or, <laughs> or his gang leader and stuff like that. But he, he said something interesting when he was interviewed um, on our live talks. He said, I used to visit church, not attend church. And is that us? Do we visit church? Do we visit churches? Are we church hoppers? Or do we attend a church? Are we a part of a church? Are we consistent in that environment where we're being taught? And then he writes the following. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, and then abounding in it with thanksgiving. I believe this is where we get to the central theme of this passage. Notice abounding. Cinnamons for abounding is filled, teeming, abundant, overflowing, plentiful, mucho. I added that one, mucho. Super abounding. The, the Greek word perisuo speaks of great quantities copiously supplied it's the present tense meaning it's a continual habit of one's life these truths we talk about having received christ are walking with christ being built up in him by christ being established by the faith in his word through christ we are to be people abounding super abounding in thanksgiving we're to be thankful let me ask you As much as we love Thanksgiving, should it just be one day? No. 
Remember, Thanksgiving is just not a one-time event, but a continuous practice, right? It's, it's something that we do every single day that enriches our spiritual journey and brings us closer to Him every single day. One quote I read, Thanksgiving was never be meant to be shut up in a single day. We say Happy Thanksgiving and after that, you know, we forget about it. I think it was the famous novelist Charles Dickens that said that we're somewhat mixed up here in America. He told an audience that instead of having one Thanksgiving day each year, we should have 364 days of Thanksgiving and use that one day just for complaining and griping. Use the other 364 days to thank God each day for the many blessings he showed and showered upon us. I'll sign up for that. One day for complaining, that'd be kind of cool, right? You're just allowed to complain and gripe. And then 364 days to thank God, to be thankful. Let's read with me what David wrote in Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12. Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12. Is it going to work? Is it going to work? Okay, it's not going to work. That's okay. I have it here. It says uh, in Psalm 30, 11 and 12, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. How many of you guys can amen that? That, that there was a time where, where, where you didn't know if you were going to see the light at the end of the tunnel, where you didn't know if this, this, this broken heart that you were walking around with would ever be mended. Well, we know now, right? That though it felt like it never would happen, it does when you're walking with the Lord. It is mended. You've turned for me my morning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. May that be our heart. Not just one day, but but every single day, every chance that we get, that we give God the, the thanks. The Bible is chock full of encouragement and examples for a biblical basis of giving thanks, right? How much time do you have? We could be here all night. We got a Thanksgiving dinner to eat, right? Psalm 104, which says, Enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Psalm 103, which was, is the Thanksgiving psalm. If you want to read a psalm with your family tomorrow, read Psalm 103. Blessed be the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We're not to forget his benefits. And as we think, as we remember his benefits, what should be the next cause effect? We give thanks, right? We thank him. There are so many benefits of Thanksgiving. And there's so many benefits of being thankful people. Did you guys know that there was a study by Harvard, secular, right? Secular Harvard were two psychologists, Dr. Robert Emmons of the University of California and Michael McCullough of the University of Miami uh, did research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. One group wrote about things they were grateful for that occurred during the week. A second group wrote about that daily irritation or the things that had displeased them during the week. And the third wrote about events that had affected them with no emphasis on them being positive or negative. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to the physicians than those who focused on sources of aggravation. So there's, there's benefits that, that, that we derive from being thankful 
people. Psalm 92, verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, said the psalmist, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. What are some of those benefits? Well, first, it it helps us to cultivate a positive and and thankful attitude, right, which can improve our overall, like we just read, well-being and our mental health. Secondly, it strengthens our relationship with God as we acknowledge His goodness and His faithfulness. And then thirdly, it reminds us to be content and not take things for granted, fostering humility and a sense of dependence on God. I remember when my mom was alive and, and we were called to go and officiate a funeral. Every time I came out of that funeral, I, the first phone call that I would make was to my mom. Mom, I just want to let you know I love you because I knew that the, that, that, that the, the clock was ticking, huh? And that, and that every chance I got, I needed to let her know that I, that I loved her as I saw that clock is ticking. And that's just our moms, our wives, our children, our loved ones. You know, as, as, as we seek the Lord, as we give Him thanks, one of the benefits is that we take the gaze off ourselves and our problems and we turn them to God. And, and man, there's nothing better when you're in the midst of a trial than doing that. But it has to be sincere, okay? You can't just say it. You can't just fake it till you make it. I remember being a kid in elementary playing a game where we would give each other Charlie horses. You guys know what a Charlie horse is? Right? Trying to prove who was the dumber, I mean the, the tougher. And as we got hit, we had to say, thank you, can I have another? You guys remember that game? You guys ever play that game? Or was it just me, fool? Thank you, sir, may I have another? Thank you, sir. I have another. I think it came from a movie that we shouldn't be watching or too young to watch. That's for sure, right? It has to be sincere, guys. We have to mean it. It reminds me of a story I read of a couple who, because they were in town, were invited to a last-minute wedding. This couple went to the wedding because of a client they knew. They weren't associated with the family. They didn't know the bride or the groom. They didn't know the couple at all. And so this was before the time of gift exchanges, right? It was before, you know, you can go on Macy's and find out what they want and pick that and have the perfect gift. This was way before that time. So they were having a hard time with, with buying a gift. And so the husband, being the more practical one, says, hey, honey, let's just, let's just give him a fire extinguisher, you know? And apparently the couple mass-produced their thank you notes because they received the card saying, thank you very much for the nice wedding gift. We look forward to using it soon. It has to be sincere, guys. We have to mean it. We have to feel it. It has to come from within. We have to be thankful people. Be sincere in your thanksgiving. How do we practice thanksgiving? Well, there's various ways to practice it, right? Thanksgiving to God. One common practice is through prayer. We're encouraged a lot here to use the acronym ACTS, right? ACTS, A, starts for adoration. We should start adoring God. C, starts with confessing. We need to confess our sins to God. And then T is given for thanksgiving. We're to give God thanks. We're to give him thanks for everything. And then S, of course, is for supplication, lifting up those needs. Pastor Chuck, uh, in his book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, shared that as a pastor, he would get many people after service that would come up and ask for prayer, ask for specific things. And that's important. We should, right? But he said that every once in a while, someone would come up and say, Pastor Chuck, I don't want to ask God for anything. I just want to thank him with you for all that he's done, is doing, and will do. And he said, that that caused him so much joy. We're to be thankful people. Another way is to worship. How many of you guys worship throughout the day? 
does that sound weird? I, I know my wife, she plays worship throughout the house, and, and man, it's, it does something to you. We, we should be worshiping him because through it, we're giving God thanks. We should, we should worship together. We should worship in a community setting. We always tell people, you know, the 15, 20 minutes of worship is not padding for you to get ready to get here. It's time where we should be here ready to offer songs of praises of God and gratitude for his goodness. And then lastly, acts of service, ministry. We thank him by serving him, by serving his people, or perhaps kindness towards others. These things can be forms of thanksgiving, and and we can demonstrate in those things our gratitude for God, our gratitude for all that he's done for us. So lastly, as I close, I want to think about, I want to talk about, excuse me, those times where it's difficult um, to give thanks, right? Because there's, there's times where, where it's, it's hard. It's hard to give thanks. And I was thinking, interestingly, it's on a day where we celebrate gratitude when we most think of the hard, hardships that, that we endure in life, when Thanksgiving doesn't come easy. Loss of loved ones, sickness, physical, emotional, mental health. You, you've been told that you're terminally ill financial despair, turmoil, drama with your mama, marital problems, you name it. I mean, we get hit in life, and, and sometimes, man, it, it's hard. I mean, you can say it, but are we really thankful? There, there's times where it's difficult to say thanks. But I, I like that Paul wrote in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, Christ Jesus, for you. And so I think it was... Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, who said, we can't necessarily be thankful for everything, but we could be thankful in everything. And how does that work? How does that work, man? You know, we, 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 we discover that someone's sick, someone dies. Uh, we're, we're thankful that we have the hope that we're going to see them again. We're thankful for the time that God has given them to us. We're thankful because we have prayer, we have hope. There's always a chance. Some of us have been praying for people for years upon years upon years, and it's hard to say thanks, but we should be thankful that we have the ability to keep asking, the ability to keep hoping. It reminds me of another story of two men who were passing through a field in the country when they were charged by an enraged bull. They they, they started for the nearest fence, but it was soon apparent that they couldn't make it before the bull reached them. So one said to the other, put up a prayer, John, we're in for it. But John answered, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my life. He wasn't a Protestant Christian, right? But you must, said his companion. The bull will still be upon us. And so John says, all right. But I'll give you the only prayer I know, the one that my father used to repeat at the table, Oh Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. And you know, some of you laugh, some of you smile at the story, yet it's true that no matter what trials we may face, the bulls charging or how deep the waters may be when we go through them, the fires that we pass through, the true Christian should give thanks always for all things. Pastor Raw and this 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 past uh, pastor's conference, um, was talking about the trials of life. And he was describing, you know, some of the trials that him and his, his family are going through. His, his, his wife uh, has been 
um, dealing with, with cancer, terminal cancer, and it looks like the end is near. And, and he was describing, you know, these, these episodes that he gets where he just can't, th- he can't talk. He could be up in the pulpit and he can't talk. And all of a sudden, it happened right there and then. And, and you just saw that, you know, he, he was embarrassed. You saw that it was difficult for him. But you know what he said? He said, the trials of life can either make you bitter or they can make you better. And the next day, he was right there serving the Lord, right there coming to the pulpit announcing and introducing the speakers that are come right there in the hallways where he could be seen talking and praying with people. Man, Pastor Raw and guys like, like, like Pastor Dale, who, who recently have a, had a stroke, who, who, who can't see his vision, is, has been damaged probably forever. I don't think either of them can drive. Can you imagine that? Men, here, if someone takes your license away, you can't drive. You need someone to drive you everywhere you go. How discouraging that will be. That means every time they serve, someone needs to pick them up. And yet, they still are there. They're still serving. They're still thankful for what God has done. They haven't turned bitter. I believe they've turned better. And, 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 and you might have heard of, of the, the, the recent U.S. soccer uh, star, uh, Megan Raponi. I don't know if she's a star, but they claimed or she called herself a star. Uh, this, this woman soccer star, Mary Raponi, claimed that there was no God after she was injured in the first few minutes of her last professional match. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? It was her last match. She was making a big hoopla. She was taking game time away from uh, 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 young girls who were more qualified, who were better, because she wanted to make sure that she was there. Right? She was claiming her spot. She was claiming her star. Anyways, you know, sadly, she, she got hurt within the first few minutes of her last game. And so on Saturday, Roponi, 38, spoke during a press conference following the National Women's Soccer League Championship after she was forced to leave due to a non-contact injury to her right leg six minutes into the game. And you know what she said? After getting injured and leaving the game, she says, I thought about a little bit. And I mean, I'm not a religious person or anything. And if there was a God, like this is proof that there isn't. She said, adding, and then she, you know, cuss. This is... Efta. Talk about someone that doesn't know the Lord, right? Someone that will get bitter because they have no idea who God is. Now, does it mean that we're like jumping up and down and, you know, cheering and, and doing the Snoopy thing, you know, when things happen to us? No, but we, we realize that God is in the midst, huh? We know what Romans 8.28 says, that all things work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Hosea... 6 1 says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. We know that sometimes it's difficult. It's difficult to be thankful, but we're to be thankful because God, even in the midst, even if it's something that we caused, which is pretty much a lot of the time, huh? That God is still working. It's a it's a, it's a matter of perspective. We're to be better. And we do that by thanking God always for all things. It's, it's been said that gratitude is always, it all, the, 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 not having gr- gratitude is what always spoils life when it is left out 
A thankful spirit enables us to praise God even when the circumstances are difficult. And one Scottish preacher always began his prayers with an expression of gratitude. One cold, miserable day, his people wondered what he was going to say, and he prayed, we thank thee, O Lord, that it's not always like this. It's a matter of perspective. Oh, guys, I'll share this, this story with you. And I had asked Carlos if it was okay because I want to be sensitive. Some of you guys know Carlos Alvarez, right? And his wife, Christina. And you know, being in this church for a while, that there's a history that they went through. There was a trial. Nadine, our, our sweet Nadine at 16, she was, she was diagnosed with leukemia. And, and, and we, would, we would go with the ups and downs, never like the family did, but with the ups and downs, praying and hoping and, and, and thanking God when she was doing well. And then lastly, she, she got sick. And the Lord called her home. And during COVID, we were meeting in the back. The men's fellowship was meeting in the back, outside. And one brother, who had also gone through some trials, showed up drunk as a skunk. I mean, this guy, he just showed up drunk. And we were happy to see him. We were happy to see him. We were encouraging him. But, you know, pretty soon we found out this guy, he's, he's tore up. And, and, and he's sitting there. He starts just saying, you guys don't know nothing. You guys haven't gone through what I've gone through. And yeah, he's, he had gone through some things, you know. You guys don't know nothing. You know, you guys are here. You're worshiping God you're, because you haven't gone through things. It was like Job's friends, right? And then he stopped and he said, hey, where's Carlos at? And then we all kind of looked at him and we pointed him to Carlos. He's right there. And he said, oh, what's up, Carlos? How's your daughter? How's your mija? And Carlos said, she went home. And at first he thought, like, went home, like home, you know? She's at home. And so he asked again, what do you mean? And he's like, she went home. The Lord took her home. And right there, man, those of you guys that were there, you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. This drunk as a skunk guy, he got sober in a split second. Why? Because as he was crying, as he was griping, as he was complaining about his life, he looked and he saw someone who had had it so much worse and yet was still worshiping, and yet was still there in, in thankfulness to what God had done, and yet was still looking at life from a perspective that only a Christian can, that, yeah, my wife, my, my daughter is not here, but one day I will be with her, like David prayed when he lost his son. And, and I'm telling you guys, man, you saw a, a, a dude that was drunk go from drunk to sober in a split second because that, that threw him off. It, 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 it blew him away. And, and that's what being thankful, even in the hard times, can do to us. I was talking to God as, as we're entering into this time of thanksgiving, and I was telling him, in essence, Lord, I have so much to thank you for. You know, those of you guys know that I have a, a beautiful granddaughter, um, and Lord willing, a grandson knocking on the belly already, right? I have my wife, my kids, my daughter-in-law, by God's grace. He's allowed me to have a relationship with my daughter that I didn't have for, for many, many years. You guys don't know that, that side of the story, but prior to me coming to Christ, I was in a relationship where I did my, my wife wrong and I had a, a daughter. And for many years, I didn't have an opportunity to have a relationship with her. By now, but by God's grace, he's allowed me to have a relationship with her. And I just give God the glory. I give him so much thanks. And as I was coming into this Thanksgiving, I was just saying, God, thank you. This Thanksgiving helped me to remember, helped me. I really wanted to be special, Lord. And then something happened. 
within the walls of my family, something that caught us off guard. And it's like all my Thanksgiving will got shredded. But then I sense that God told me, you can still thank me for all these things. Plus, I will be there. I will be there to work things out for good, his good. And so therefore, I'm I'm thankful. I am so thankful. Just personal observations of why I'm thankful for for my salvation. I, I was Lazarus. I was that man dead, you know, in the grave, in the tomb, smelly. And like it says in John eleven forty one, he raised me from the dead. I have his continual grace. I have his spirit, his never-ending love. I have a marriage that by God's grace has sustained many, many years, many, many trials. If it wasn't for God's grace, I would not be a married man today. I have a family I have friends, I have the ministry, I have the bomb, which is the medicine of the gospel that I could share with people. I have answered prayer. I have unanswered prayer. And believe it or not, I'm thankful for that unanswered prayer sometimes. I have his word, his plumb line, that when I go off track, when I'm going to the left or to the right, I could always turn there. And and in his goodness, he leads me back to repentance. I have his people, you, the church, some of you, no, all of you. I'm thankful for all of you. Psalm 106, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Paul's encouragement to the Colossian church is to be thankful. Of all people, we should be the most thankful people. That's God's encouragement to you and me today. Tomorrow and the 364 days if God wills to follow. I read a devotional recently by Alistair Begg called Overflowing with Thankfulness and it was based on this verse. And he made the observation that I think some of you have heard before that if you walk around a room like this with a glass full of something and someone bumps into you, whatever is in that glass is what's going to spill out. So that same principle applies to our character. We're filled with bitterness. If we're filled with ingratitude, if we're filled with entitlement, envy, jealousy, then it won't take much of a bump for that to overflow. But the same is true if we're people that are thankful, if we're people that are honest, if we're people that are transparent, and, and we, we don't hide anything. We, we declare, man, I'm so thankful for the wretched man that I am, that God still has his love. He still has his hand. I believe that no matter what he won't let go, then we could be thankful. And if someone bumps into us, then that is what is going to spill out. Amen?